Denny Gertler, thanks for being here. My pleasure, Jay. Well, every Monday morning, we start our week with the team at CanDelta with Ask the Experts. You are the expert today. Uh, whether you believe it or not, you are the expert today. How do you feel about that? I feel good about it. The CanDelta team needs to be on on Monday mornings because we ask them questions. Um, today is kind of a statement, kind of a question. Are you ready for it? Sure, shoot me. Uh, I won't shoot you, but I'll shoot the question <laughs> at you. Um, uh, I want to talk a little bit. So we had an event last week. Can Delta was part of it around cannabis retail. Um, Lucas McCann was on talking about uh, training in the cannabis retail uh, space, training of staff. Um, the question came through as part of that conversation um, uh, about creating a viable cannabis retail brand. And I want to know from you, uh, someone asked the question, like, what is the role of branding and training together? Are they related in some way? I don't often see them in the same sentence. So I wanted to see if you could link them. Yeah, well, that's an excellent question. Um, it's funny because I've had a lot of thought around this in the last few weeks. Uh, you're, I saw Lucas, he got great reception there. Uh, and But it's funny because in the last you know, little bit, uh, I keep hearing frustrations around the restrictions, you know, on, on promotion, inducements, advertising. Yep. And I think it's fair to say that most operators out there see those as the, the main channels for brand building. Right? Um, and in fact, I was uh, delivering some training to uh, a new client uh, not long ago, like a couple of weeks ago, and we went through an exercise and I just had, had a funny can smiling cannabis leaf and we said, is this an inducement? And we were talking about, about the ways in which you need to approach that. And I could see the frustration. Like they said, so they're saying, well, how can we differentiate ourselves with all these restrictions? And so I thought, okay, fair question, right? Uh, uh, so let me go back a bit to an earlier episode where I floated the idea that through training, through uh, strong knowledge of a store's uh, standard operating procedures, SOPs, uh, and other, and, and product education and so forth, one could build a, a brand of trust with regulators, which people don't think of regulators and brand. I'd like to play with that idea a little bit more and talk about branding writ large, if I could. So I heard you know, the frustrations at the, you know, the Canadian Chamber of Commerce roundtable. Uh, there was no talk about training in relation to this, but it occurred to me that uh, we should probably step back and, and say, what is branding, first of all? Right, because it's a word we toss around. Everybody thinks they know it. Uh, what do you think branding is? For example? Well, I, I I think it's deeper than most people actually think, and especially in the the retail context, I think of um, I think of stores with great brands because they're employed. Well, because you get a sense when you're in it that it is something unique unto itself, which doesn't happen very often. But there are some examples, and of course now I can't think any off the top of my head. But I think it's more than just the logo and the sign for sure. Oh, totally. I couldn't agree more. Um, it's a bit like having a recognizable identity for your products and services, like a personality. Yeah. Uh, and so that personality, person, um, how do we know people in the real world? You know, is it through their snappy clothes, you know, through their advertisements, or is it through their actions? And I thought, you know, I think it's more through their actions. It's more what they do. And, and, how they, and how you know them. Are they reliable people? Would you have them feed your dog? 
you know, when you're away on vacation or not, you know, because they're not reliable uh, or trustworthy. And, and then I thought, okay, uh, people have values, people uh, have attributes, uh, how, how best to con convey that? And then I thought training is a great way to do that. Um, and, and then around the same time, I was reading um, an article by Harris Bieber, who's the CEO of Vimeo. And he had some interesting things to say about what a brand is in this context. And he said, you know, great brands have always listened to their customers. Uh, or what he, I think what he meant is the people representing the brands have always listened to their customers. And, and they, they keep listening, um, they, they do the right things, even if they don't have to, even if no one's looking, even if only one person notices because it's inherent in their values. And, and I thought Bing, that's really insightful, right? Uh, it's that kind of substance. And uh, although uh, a marketing campaign can, can elicit interest and awareness, uh, there needs to be follow through. And I think training is the main vehicle for making that happen. Yeah, it is. It is very compelling. It's sort of like a personality for your business, but but it's also interesting because, uh, and and I've likened this to, uh, if every if every coffee shop opened up all at the same time, like we have had with cannabis stores, right? Like everybody would be on the same equal footing uh, at the same time. But that's not how it happened with coffee. But it is how it's happened with cannabis. So you need to double down on things that you can control. And one of the things is how your how your employees are trained what that training says about the business that they're operating in. How, how do you do that through training, I guess, is the question. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's a good question too, because uh, we are in a commoditized market, you know, with cannabis retail. You know, we recently heard about the AGCO doubling their issuance rate to 80 a month. Uh, their stores, some parts of the province are saturated, others not yet. Uh, so a lot of it, it happens to occur on price differentiation. But you want, I think, as an operator to differentiate or differentiate yourself beyond price and beyond, you know, how many uh, products carry high THC, that kind of thing. Uh, something that, you know, is more durable and can evolve and grow, you know, along with your store. So um, one of the one of the actual interesting, another, I'm going to talk about somebody else who gave me an insight. And okay. we have um, uh, a, a a partner, the Vitrina Group, and Leandra Reed is one of the one of the principals there. And it just so happened she had an article on LinkedIn a few days ago, uh, comparing the experience in, in luxury beauty with cannabis retail. And I thought, okay, I haven't heard of that comparison before. But she dissected what goes on in a in a store. She said, at any given time, a department store, a beauty department in a in a department store. Uh, may have up to 50 different brands, not, not just products, brands. <laughs> right. And so how do you make sense of all that? And as it turns out, it's a kind of choreography between the, uh, the beauty department manager, who's somewhat analogous to the retail store manager, uh, the sales advisor, who is very much like the bud tender, and, uh, and the, the other uh, role she chose to focus on, although she could have picked others, I think, is the uh, brand ambassador. Uh, from, you know, the, the uh, perfume company or the beauty company, uh, which could be analogous to uh, an NLP branded ambassador. And, and 
it was really the interaction and constant um, dialogue among these parties that made it happen. You know, obviously there is critical information coming from the front line. The sales advisor has to be skilled. He or she needs to know their product. They need to be taking note of the behavior, the buying uh, questions, uh, the objections, concerns. Uh, meanwhile, the, the manager who's got a, a broader uh, mandate to drive sales and make sure that the systems in the store are encouraging good customer interactions, you know, has top line data on, on, on sales trends and the like. Uh, and meanwhile, the, the brand ambassador is there to update their knowledge about the product itself. And it's only through the interactions of these people uh, that, you know, a viable strategy comes about that people stay on top of what's going on. Uh, and it then made me think, well, there's a whole supporting cast in the store itself, right? Even the security people, uh, the people who are handling inventory, everybody has to dance and do their part in order to support the front line and ensure a seamless experience for the customers. So that, so I think training is the, really the principal way in which this happens, uh, especially you know, our, our training package is based on the standard operating procedures in the store where all of these different components are mapped out and we have exercises, we get people understanding how uh, they're not in silos. They in fact affect each other and everybody has to do their job to be successful. It really, it, it makes so much sense as you just described it, and especially give, putting us in the context of, of a department store and their beauty department. One part that is, is very compelling and actually I've been thinking about a lot. And I think it came up in our previous conversations and, and certainly one with Lucas as well uh, earlier, maybe a month and a half ago or so, is that is there is the baseline requirements for frontline or anybody working in a cannabis store to take, you know, the can sell in this province, others in other provinces. That's the regulatory requirement. Let's call that yep. the floor right? Uh, that's the floor. Um, but that says nothing to the fact that that won't necessarily help your, your business operate in a competitive cannabis retail environment. That's the state. That's the floor. You need to think about how to get everybody on the same page. Everybody's going to have the cancel or whatever that is, but also you need to actually train up your store to be successful. And if a trainer group has taught me this too, it, it's, it's like, it is this choreographed unit to get a customers in the door, customers feeling comfortable, customers buying once, customers buying overtime and more overtime. I mean, that is a really a group effort that doesn't, that does involve the security at the door, that does involve the bud tender, does involve the people behind the scenes as well. And, and I guess getting those people on board is what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, it's, it's um, exactly right, Jay. It's, you know, some people call it the vibe of the store, right? Yeah. yeah. But are they working together? Right. Uh, imagine you going to a play and, and people forget their lines. Uh, people come on stage and exit at the wrong times. Like it's not smooth. Uh, even things as mundane or seemingly mundane as complaints handling. Right. So we have actually a whole SOP on handling complaints. It's it's uh, it's an interesting one because Harris Bieber talks about how a lot of uh, otherwise very sophisticated companies get that wrong. They they submit their customers to a robotic experience which completely uh, you know, uh, causes a disconnect between this, the snazzy marketing, you know, the sexy brand. And then uh, it's like, you know, you know, we're taking out the trash or something like that. Uh, where in fact, it's a great opportunity to listen to your customers, to find out what went wrong, to find out what could go better and to spark a conversation about how to improve. Uh, and so that, that becomes integral to the overall effort. 
So, you know, I guess in some, uh, what I would say is that uh, you got to know the operations, the employee management, uh, security, point of sale, all of those work together, right? Uh, it's the delivery that is gold, that seals the deal, that promotes word of mouth and keeps coming, people coming back to your store again and again and again, right? In other words, it's doing the right thing at the right time, uh, one person at a time. Yeah. And, and that that going back to the first part is that 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 becomes the brand of your store, or at least the 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 first interaction with folks becomes the brand, and then over time you build upon that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Denny, this is great because I think as retailers uh, enter the marketplace, and we'll see eighty more a month, right? So it's it's going to get really crowded in many places, certainly in my neighborhood in Toronto. But the idea that there can be differentiators that are not outward facing marketing campaigns delivered through digital and otherwise, but actually the in-store experience can be the embodiment of the brand. And, and I would argue, and I think what you're talking about is that may be the most important embodiment of the brand and the most important, um, the most important component of what you can do all delivered through sort of a really compelling training program. And you have control over that. Right. That's right. And it's, it's legal and it's compliant. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Denny, th thank you so much for your time uh, early this Monday morning. And uh, as always, thank you to the Can Delta team for your expertise. I know this will be a busy year coming up as uh, the AGCO sort of continues to open the floodgates a little bit more. Uh, we'll connect with you down the road uh, as this unfolds. Thanks, Jay. I look forward to it. Great. Thanks. Have a good day, everybody.